So good morning. Good morning. Um, we've we've done the Afrikaans greeting, and now we can do the English one. Good morning, everyone. I just want to mention before we start that um, you'll see in the scriptures this morning. You know that I only use the King James version of the Bible, and um, I know it's sometimes a bit difficult with all the these and thous and this and all the other things that are added to the to the end of the word. So. Um, um, you will see that in the scriptures today, and actually the previous English um, sermon that I did was also I also used, I used this Bible, and this Bible is called the King James Version. It's exactly the same as the King J- James Version. The only difference is called ER, or Easy Read, and uh, if you look at it in, in, on the inside of the Bible, it says there, the Sword Study Bible, um, and it is by Whitaker House Publishers. So it is exactly the same as the as the King James Version, with a few changes, with the these and the thous becomes the use, and the words are just uh, made easier. So um, for anyone who wants to have a look, um, the Bible is here in front. You can come and have a look after the service um, to, to, yeah, to, just, to just see what, what we actually use um, and why we use it. You'll, you'll understand. Um, but before we start, let us just bow our hearts in prayer before the Lord. Our Father, what a wonderful morning. Lord, over these past couple of weeks, we've had such amazing rain. And last week, our Father, when we were in the bush, and he boss felt, Lord, and the rain came down, we could see the difference in your creation. We could see a difference within the animals. We could see, we could hear a difference within the birds. And when I think about your word, and your word says that the rain that you give is a blessing upon us as your children, I can understand it when I see it. And therefore, this morning, Abba Father, may your word be rain that pours down upon us. And may your spirit be a rain that that fills us this morning. Open our hearts this morning, Lord, to receive your word. Because we are here to honor you. And we honor you in the mighty name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The theme for this morning is the words of my mouth. The words of my mouth. And you'll remember last week I spoke to you about Moses and and how he didn't speak to the rock like our father told him to do. And what did he do? He struck the rock in anger, and then still the water came out, but he did the the opposite of what Abba Father told him. Father said, Moses, speak to the rock. What did Moses do? He spoke to the people in anger, and then he struck the rock. But Abba Father's uh, grace was still with him and still with the people that that he supplied them with flowing water. And in conclusion to that message, I question whether we are speaking to the rock or reacting out of our emotional condition, just like Moses did. Moses reacted out of his emotional condition, didn't listen to the Word of God, didn't do what our Father told him to do. And aren't we doing the same thing? Aren't we sometimes reacting out of emotion? Instead of listening to the Word of our Father and speaking the Word of our Father. Are we speaking to the rock with words of godly authority, or are we striking the rock with our own human authority and our own human conviction? Are we speaking 
to the rock with the words of our Father? Or are we using our own sharp words to speak to the rock? Are our motives, the motives that you and I have, are our motives to satisfy our own selfish desires, or do we need to reflect a little bit on what comes out of our mouths and start speaking the Word of God over our lives? It is so important that we speak the Word of God over our lives, and and I'm going to look at that this morning and, and discuss it with you with regards to what comes out of our mouths. One of the verses that I used last week actually gave me the, the lead into the message that I want to share with you this morning. It provided me with the basis, the foundation of the message that I want to share with you this morning. And I think uh, you will remember this verse, and we all know this verse. It is a very, or it is a verse that is very close to my heart. And, and if you read it, Psalm 19 verse 14, it says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Yahweh, my strength and my Redeemer. And it is interesting when we look at the King James, if you look at the Afrikaans version of the Bible and some of the other translations, it says, O Yahweh, my rock and my Redeemer. And the word there in Hebrew is actually the word tur, and that word tur means rock or cliff. I don't know, and, and I, I understand that a, that a rock is, uh, represents strength, but it should actually be my rock and my redeemer. It is very important that we see it like that because Abba Father is our rock, Yeshua is our rock, and therefore he talk, talks about Abba Father as his rock and his redeemer. And just for you that don't know, every time in the Bible where the word Lord appears in capital letters, all of it in capital letters, like you see on the screen there, the L, the O, the R, and the D are in capital letters. If you go and look at the Hebrew, it is the four uh, characters, or we call it the tetragrammaton, and it is yod Hey vav Hey. it is Yahweh. So when I read Yahweh, it is actually what it says in the, in the Hebrew. So if you wonder why I... I um, speak of our Father's name, that is the reason why I do that. Now, I'm going to return to this verse a little bit later in a little bit more detail, and I really want to talk about this, and I think the whole message this morning you will see um, is representative of this, of this, of this verse, um, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, in thy sight, or in your sight, O Yahweh. So, if I look at the Bible If you read the Bible, go and do yourself a a favor and go and study every verse about the words that come out of our mouths. And there are numerous verses in the Bible relating to the words that we speak and how there is power and how there is authority in those words. There is power and authority in every word that you speak. And therefore, our Father tells us, do not speak frivolous words. Why does He tell us that? It is because there's power and authority in the words that you and I speak. And the most, probably the most well-known verse that we have with regards to this, we find in Proverbs 18 verse 21. And listen to what it says. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Wow. That love what? Whether we speak death and whether we speak life, if we love death, that will manifest in our lives. If we speak um, life, that will manifest in our lives. That is what the Scripture says. It means that we will live according to the words that you and I speak. 
So we need to be careful what comes out of our mouths. You know, we are so quick with our mouths sometimes. We are so quick. And somebody says something, and I've got something that I can say against that. Or to put the person down. Or to make him feel a little bit bad for what he just said to me. Did our Father not say that we should speak love to one another? That we, shall, that we should act in love towards one another? So therefore, we've got to be very careful about the words that come out of our mouths. And I sometimes wonder if we have any idea of how powerful our words really are. Of how powerful and how authoritative the words are that comes out of our mouths. You know, words have the power to build up or to tear down. Words can inspire, but words can destroy. Words have the power to create a moment and the strength to destroy it. Words can bring healing or words can bring damnation. Someone once said, the very words we choose and where we direct them can mean the difference between life and death for any living thing, including ourselves. And you know, I, I sometimes wonder, I've spoken to so many people in the past before, you know, when, when I do counseling, and they say certain things about themselves. And my first question is, why do you say those things about yourself? Why are those words about yourself coming out of your mouth? Why don't you speak what Abba Father says about you over your life? You know, sometimes, I don't know about you, and, I, and, and, and in my BC days, it, it happened often <laughs> when I played golf and you, and you hit a bad shot. Now, I'm not a professional. Even the professionals, when you watch them on TV, every now and then hits a bad shot. And then I would hit a bad shot, and the first thing that I say to myself, oh, you idiot, you can't even play golf. Let me tell you what happened. I might as well put my clubs in my bag and go home because the rest of the game is terrible. Why? Because I spoke damnation over my own life. And we should stop doing that. You know, when, when Yeshua spoke to the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, he emphasized the importance of the power of our words. And he says in Revelation 2 verse 12 and verse 16, he says this, he says, and to the angel of the church of Pergamos write, these things says he, which, listen carefully, has the sharp sword with two edges. He says, repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Can you see the connection that he's making here? He talks about the sword with two edges, and then he talks about the sword that comes out of his mouth. So if we read this verse, what is he relating to? That the words that come out of his mouth is like a two-edged sword. I, I, this morning, the, the sword normally stands on that side, but this morning I put the sword here. And, and again, thanks to Butt for making this for us. But you know, if you look at this sword, this is a sword with two edges. And if you come closer, you will see that all the books of the, of the Bible are written on either side of this. And this is what we need to do. This is the word that should come out of our mouths. Because when we wield the, shore, the sword, we can either wield it this way or that way. And depending on what is on the edge of that sword, it can be positive or negative. And that's why we've got the word of God on both of the sides of the sword, so that we can only speak the word of our Father. 
That's what we should be doing. And what Yeshua says here, this also relates to John. John's description of Yeshua in Revelation 1 verse 16, where he said that out of the mouth, this is Yeshua's mouth, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. This wasn't a physical sword that came out of his mouth. It was the words that came out of his mouth. And this type of sword is similar to this one. The only difference is this is a very big sword. But the, the sword that they had in those days were quite a short sword that they utilized. So they can get into close combat with that, short, with that sword. And this type of sword was designed to cut both ways. And it reflects the penetrating power and truth of the word of Abba Father. Remember what that Yeshua stated very clearly, that he only speaks what Abba Father commanded him to speak. Do yourself a favor. Take the words of Yeshua. Take the words of Jesus Christ and go and look in the Bible and you will see that every time that he spoke, it comes from the Old Testament. He's quoting some verse or some pattern that Abba Father already gave us in his Old Testament. He never spoke his own words. He spoke the word of Abba Father. And therefore, this two-edged sword can be both a blessing and a curse. And that applies to the words that you and I speak, the words that come out of our mouths, that it can be a blessing and a curse. And depending on how we use our words, that will determine whether it's a blessing that we speak over people's lives or whether it's a curse that we speak over people's lives. It's so amazing when Yeshua says to us, when he talks to us in, in uh, Matthew 5, I think it's Matthew 5 verse 44, he's talking about us and what we should do. He says, he says to us, you have heard that it's being said that you should hate your enemies and love your neighbor, but I say unto you, and what did he say? Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Wow. And what do we do? We curse the people who curse us. We hate our enemies. And all you have to hear is when people talk about our government and about the COVID-19 and about the situation that we find in the world. All that comes out of our mouths are curses. We are cursing people. We are cursing the people that work with it or that are responsible for it. When are we going to start speaking blessing? Let me tell you, when you speak blessings, it is good for you. Because the Word of God says, what you sow, you will reap. And listen carefully to me. If you are sowing curses, you cannot reap blessings. It is impossible. doesn't work that way. That's not the pattern that our Father created for you and I. So it's important that we watch what we say. And the words that I speak will determine which side of the sword I'm using. So I think it's best if we have a sword like this with the word of God on both sides. Then it doesn't matter which way I wield the sword. Then the word of God will always come out of my mouth. Isn't that true? So the question is, what type of words are coming out of your mouth? What type of words are you speaking? Are they positive or negative? Are they good or bad? Are they words of blessing or are they words of cursing? What words are coming out of your mouth? And for what purpose are you using those words? It is so amazing to me when, 
when Paul describes the armor of God in Ephesians 6, he relates the word of God to the sword of the Spirit. And if we go and we read this and we see in Ephesians 6 verse 17, he says, and take the helmet of salvation. And I saw somebody was uh, explaining to, uh, to their child earlier this morning about the, the, um, the pictures, well, I can't call it pictures, um, the paintings that are against the wall. A very dear friend of ours who now lives in New Zealand painted those for us. And if you look at those, that resembles the armor of God. And, and I think her interpretation of the armor of God is, is magnificent in the way that she did it. But listen to this. He says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Do you hear what he's saying? He says, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. This is not a physical sword. What is it? It is the Word of God that is being spoken. And before I say something about the, the sword of the Spirit, I really want, just want to clarify the concept of the armor of God. The armor of our Father. And I think sometimes we, we've got this funny way of talking about the armor of, of God. Have you, have you heard that? When people talk about the armor of God. And I sometimes hear people say, you know, when, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is I put on the armor of God. I put on the helmet of salvation. And I pull, put on the breastplate of righteousness. And etc., etc. And I'm wondering, why do they take it off? Guys, this is not like our working clothes. This is not like coming back from work and you, and you have your dinner meal and then you go to bed and you take off your working clothes and you put on your PJs, your pajamas, and you get into bed. And then the next morning when you wake up, you repeat the process, take off your pajamas and you put on your armor of God. It doesn't work like that. Listen to me. Listen carefully to me. You can never be found without the armor of God. Never, ever. You, it's not something that you take off. So what is the armor of God? What is the armor of God? You know, it's so amazing when we, when we strip away the analogy, when we strip away the helmet and the belt and the breastplate, etc., etc., we are left with what the armor of God really is. And I want to show you this morning what the armor of God is. And it's, it's a good analogy. Listen, don't, don't misunderstand me. It is a brilliant analogy of the armor of God. But it is not what the armor of God is. It reflects how it should be used. So let me, let me give you this. Number one, the armor of God. It is truth. You cannot wear truth. Unless you have a t-shirt that says truth on it. doesn't help. Okay? You cannot wear truth. You live by it. You live by truth. You live by the word of God because you sure clearly stated in the word of God that his word is truth. And unless I live by the word of our Father... I am not wearing truth as part of the armor of God. The second thing that we see is righteousness. Righteousness, again, you must live a life of righteousness. It's not something that you put on and now suddenly you're righteous, and then tonight you take it off, and oh, what happened to the righteousness? 
It does not work that way. Paul says that the Word of God is our instruction in righteousness. It is for you to live a life in right standing with our Father. Where do we find it? In the Word of God. And where does he say, where does he say it? All Scripture. All Scripture. Timothy 3, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 all Scripture is given. When he talks about all Scripture, he is talking about the Old Testament. Listen carefully. When Paul wrote that down, there was no New Testament. It was a letter that he wrote to Timothy to instruct him how to live, to instruct him, instruct him how to live in righteousness, to instruct him how to live a right life in our Father. And how he should tell the congregation what they're supposed to do. So when he spoke about all scriptures, he was actually referring to the Old Testament. Hmm. How many times have you heard that Paul has said that we don't have to worry about the Old Testament, it's not relevant anymore? How many times have you heard that? I'm still trying to find that verse. And I've been through this book, this Bible, many times in my life before. I have yet to find it. Maybe I can't read the Bible correctly. Please, if anybody has that verse, come and show me, and I'll say something else about that just now. Number three, the preparation, listen, to preach the gospel of peace. The preparation to preach the gospel of peace. You are not putting on comfortable shoes. Well, maybe you need comfortable shoes if you go out and go preach the gospel, but, but you, it's not shoes that you put on. You need to go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to do what Yeshua taught you. And it's not just teaching them the word, it's teaching them to what? To do the word. How do you teach people to do the word? You do it yourself. And that's why Paul says, he says, be a follower of me like I am a follower of Jesus Christ. How did he follow him? He did everything that Yeshua told him to do. Everything, and that's what you and I are also supposed to do. The fourth one is faith. And what is faith? Do you put on faith? No. Faith is the absolute trust and the absolute faith that we develop in our Father and in His Word. That we believe every word that is written to us. That we believe what our Father tells us. It is believing that Yeshua is your Savior and that He will never leave you and that He will never forsake you. It is being in a relationship with Abba Father and having the assurance of His truth in your life. That is what faith is. And then the next one is salvation. Can you wear salvation? It's definitely not something that you can put on. It is something that you receive. It is something that Yeshua gave to you. It is something that He did for you. All you have to do is accept it. Accept His salvation. It is the hope that you and I have in the sacrifice made by Yeshua on the cross. The salvation of Yeshua protects our thoughts and our will against our selfish desires and, of course, the onslaught of the enemy. Number six, the Word of God. The Word of God. So we've read the sword or the word or the weapon of the Spirit. And Paul describes it so well in 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 when he says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, 
for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. Go read it again and again and again. Make it part of your life. Go see what Paul says about the Word of God, about Abba Father's Word. We cannot live without the Bible. And when I talk about the Bible, I'm talking from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. That is the Word of God. And while Paul was writing his letters, and while the the disciples were writing the Gospels and their letters, they were writing the Word of God so that you and I can accept it and we can use it and we can live by it. But he also used these prophets to give us his Word so that you and I can live by it and so that we can know what it is to live a righteous life. You see, you don't dress up in the armor of God. You accept it, and you live it, and you become it, and you do it. That's what the armor of God is. You can never take off any of these items. Because let let me assure you this. When you take off any of these items, you will not be protected against the onslaught of the enemy. You will be vulnerable. And therefore, we've got to stay strong in our faith. What does Paul say? Fight the good fight. Endure to the end. And that's what you and I should be doing. So when Paul describes the word of God as the sword of the spirit, he is saying that the word cuts both ways. It represents, listen carefully, it represents the law as well as the gospel. It's two edges. The law and the gospel. It is both blessing and judgment. It is conviction and salvation. It is the voice of Abba Father. Because this book is the voice of God. Some people say to me, you know, I can't hear the voice of God. My first question is, don't you read the Bible? Because when we read this book, we hear the voice of God. This is his word. That's what Yeshua said. So therefore, it is important that you and I understand the Bible. We know the Bible. We read the Bible. We Like the word says, we eat the word of God so that it can become part of us. Have you ever seen what happens when you eat stuff? You either lose weight or you gain weight, depending on what you eat. But it has an effect on your body. It has an effect on your being. And when we eat the word of God, it has an effect on our bodies. It has an effect on our being. It has an effect on our thought processes. It has an effect on our will. It has an effect on our emotional condition. That's what the word of God changes within me. You see, when I take this word and I eat it and I live it and I read it, it causes transformation in my life. That is how important words are. And that is why Paul writes in Hebrews 4 verse 12, he says, for the word of God, listen, for the word of God is quick. And that word quick actually means it is living. So if you go and look at the Greek word, it says living. So I'm going to read it with that word. He says, for the, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You know what's so amazing to me? I wrote it there on the board for you so that you can see this. The word um, two-edged, if you go read it in the Greek, it is the word dystomos. Uh, and this word dystomos means double mouth. <laughs> it, 
it is, and, and it says that the, the, the clarification of that is like a river. You know, a river with, with that has two mouths that, that uh, runs into the ocean. But it says two mouths. Isn't it amazing? Two edged, two mouths. It is reflected, it is represented by a sword because a sword has two edges. So how are we using it? And he said, let me just read that section again. He says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder. That word asunder means it means two. So piercing even to the dividing into of soul and spirit. So he splits the soul and the spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So, so what does he say? He says, the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. When we look at the soul, what is the soul? The soul is our will, our intellect, our emotions, our thoughts, and our desires. And if we look at our spirit, our spirit reflects our Father's perfect word written within us, and it describes His character that He has placed within us. When He says in Genesis 1 verse 26, let us make man into our own image. That word image means, what does He say? He says, let us put part of our character into man. And that is the character that our Father wants you and I to show to the world. And if he, when he says that we need to conform to the image of Christ, he says, what I want you to do is to reflect the character of Yeshua because that is the character that I placed within you. And all the things that has happened around you, all the external factors that happened around you, all the things that you've been involved in, changes and molds your character. So what I want you to do, I want you to renew your mind so that you can return and be conformed into the image of Christ so that you can have the character that I placed within you. That's what that means. Isn't that wonderful? And, and what he says with regards to this, when he says piercing even to the dividing in two of soul and spirit, he's saying his word destroys the conflict between our soul and our spirit so that we can become one with his will. What did Yeshua say? Our Father, let them be one like you and I are one. Let them be one with your will. Let them be one with your spirit. And this marrow that he talks about, you know what is absolutely amazing about marrow, if you go and research it and you go read about the marrow in your bones, what the marrow does, it produces the platelets of your blood. It produces the platelets of your blood. And what does the Bible say about, the, about blood? The life is where? In the blood. And what is he saying here? He says, the word cuts through to where life originates. The word cuts through to where life originates. And that is why we are reborn as new creatures with a renewed life. Isn't that just amazing? That is just so awesome. You, you know what's so funny? Sometimes, you know, I sit, I sit at home and I do these and I, and I prepare for these, these sermons. And I get these revelations and I get so, so excited about these revelations. I just want to share it with everybody. And sometimes, you know, you share a revelation. And I'm not saying about this or today, but sometimes you share this big revelation that our Father gave you and people just stare at you. 
because maybe they're not ready for that revelation at that point in time. But don't worry, I get ex- extremely excited. You, you should hear it when I, when I actually prepare, <laughs> prepare the sermon or the message. Um, I'm quite vocal. You know, when I was a youngster, my dad always used to walk around talking to himself. And I thought, really? You know, how can he do that? And now I sit in my office and I think, I'm my dad. Anyway, so, because I get so excited, I talk to myself. So, what do we see here? We also see that our Father's Word is spirit. And, and because Yeshua says to us in John 6, the Word says to us, it is the spirit that quickens. Remember what it says there. And, and if you read that, <laughs> that, that Greek word there, um, it is not the easiest word in, in Greek to, to, um, to pronounce. Um, and that word there is zuopoeo. Zuopoeo. That's what it says. Zuopoeo. All right. So, and what it means is just, it gives life. <laughs> so, so it says, it is the spirit that gives life. It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And listen to this. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Wow. Wow. You know, in Romans 7 verse 14, and, and Romans 7 is one of, the, one of the chapters in the Bible that people use to say that Paul said that the Old Testament is no more relevant or that the law of God is no more relevant in our lives. But in Romans, in Romans 7 verse 14, Paul makes a similar statement that Yeshua made here when he says that the law is spiritual. He says that. You can go and read it. 7.14, open your Bible. It says, the law is spiritual. And do you know what that word means in Greek? It means that it belongs to the Spirit. They shouldn't have written there, the law is spiritual. They should have written, the law belongs to the Spirit. Because that would have been the right translation for that verse. In Romans 8 verse 2, you can make a note of that as well. Go read that. He speaks of the law of the Spirit of life. What is the law of the Spirit of life? The law of the Spirit of life is the law of our Father. It is the instructions of our Father. We've got a name that we use for it, a Hebrew name. You can go read that Hebrew name. Every time in the Old Testament where you see the word law, go read it. It says Torah. It is the Torah of our Father. And if the word of our Father is a two-edged sword, then the words that you and I speak have a similar quality. It has a similar quality to the words that our Father speaks to us. The words of my mouth is similar to a two-edged sword. It can be directed in two different ways. And therefore, it is important that our words should always be focused. Our words should always be directed. And our words should always have purpose. Not frivolous words. It should have purpose. You see, the word that you and I speak it's a direct reflection of the condition of our hearts. And what's in your heart? Well, let me tell you this. What is in your heart is also in your mind. Will reflect in your words that come out of your mouth. And sometimes when you listen, when people speak, it is scary to think what was going on in their hearts and in their minds. Matthew 12, verse 33 to 37, and I know it's a bit... It's a bit small, but you can open your Bibles. You should have them here. Matthew 12, verse 33 to 37, it says, 
either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruits. And let me just tell you, where does the life of the tree originate? In the roots. So if the root is bad, the tree will be bad, the fruit will be bad. Where are your roots? What does the word say to us in Revelation 19? I think it's Revelation 19:16, if I remember correctly. It says, Yeshua says, I am the root. My roots are in Yeshua. He is my root. And therefore, if he's my root, then I can bear good fruit. In no other way. In verse 34, he says, O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, listen, speak good things? <laughs> he says, if you're evil, you cannot speak good things. He says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And what did we say the heart is? Your will, your intellect, your emotions, your thoughts, your desires. That is what the heart is. Verse 36, he says, but I say unto you that every, listen carefully, idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Who says this? Yeshua says this, written in Matthew. If you go back into the Bible, it's exactly what our Father says to us in the Old Testament. And why does the Bible lay so much emphasis on the Word of God and the words we speak? And remember what I said earlier, Yeshua only spoke the Word of God. And when he was confronted by the devil in the wilderness, he quoted Scripture every time that the devil tried to tempt him. What did he do? He spoke the word of God. He didn't say to Satan, hey, do you know who I am? Who do you think you are? I will not let you speak to me like that. No, he said, it is written. It is written. It is written. He spoke the word of God. And then what Yeshua said when he, we talk about the Holy Spirit, he said that the Holy Spirit will not testify of himself, but will testify of Yeshua. And who is Yeshua? He is the Word of God. So what Yeshua is saying to us, in effect, is that the Holy Spirit will testify of the Word of God. And therefore, listen carefully to me. Please, please, please listen carefully to me. The Holy Spirit will not say anything to you that is not substantiated by the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will not tell you to go and divorce your husband or your wife. The Holy Spirit will not tell you to curse somebody else. The Holy Spirit will not tell you to take somebody else's stuff regardless of what they did to you. Everything the Holy Spirit will say to you will be substantiated by the Word of God. It is that simple. And, and I worry sometimes when people come to me and they say, the, the Holy Spirit told me, and I cringe because it is completely against the, the, the Word of God. I cannot tell you in the last year and a half or so how many people have told me, no, but the Holy Spirit told my husband that he can leave me. Or the Holy Spirit told somebody that they can, they can divorce their husbands. And I'm concerned. Anyway, 
Why did our Father place His Word in our hearts and our minds? Why did He do that? Why did He say, I'll write my, my, my law, my Torah, I'll write, write my words onto your hearts and your minds? It's one reason, so that we can live, think, and speak His Word. That's it. And that is why it is so important that we learn the Word of God so that we can speak it. And Abba Father gives a very important instruction to Joshua. And when we, we look at this in, in Joshua, um, can I just ask you guys, Ben? I, I can't forward the, the Scripture anymore. Joshua, 1 verse 7 to 9. Thank you. He says, only be you strong and very courageous. Listen why. That you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Do you hear what he's saying? This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. He says that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. And here's the reason why he says he should do that. He says, for then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Does he say that if you do this, you will be saved? No. The Torah was never there to save anybody. It was never God's intention that when you follow the word of God, you will be saved. There is only one way that you can be saved, and that one way that you can be saved is through Yeshua, through nothing else. But once we come to salvation, once we are saved, then we keep the word of God. Why? For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. In verse 9 he says, Have not I commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be you dismayed. For Yahweh your God is with you wherever you go. And let me tell you, if this word is in your heart and in your mind, you, you cannot be anywhere without God. Nowhere without Abba Father. You know, it's so amazing when we read the word. You know, even Yeshua, he says, um, you know, Yeshua did not soften the law. Yeshua did not soften the law. What did he do? He did the opposite. He actually intensified it. Abba Father says one thing. He says um, that, uh, you know, we shouldn't be covetous. Yeshua makes it a little bit stronger. He, he always adds a little bit more to the law. Yeshua supported Everything that was written in the law, everything that was written in the law was supported by Yeshua. And Yeshua was very clear about the importance of our Father's word and especially the law of God. In Matthew 5 verse 18 to 19, he said that whoever relaxes one of the least of the commandments and teaches men to do so shall be called the what? The least in the kingdom of, of heaven. And then in verse 19, he says and, 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 um, that the person who does the commandments and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. 
Yeshua's words. And remember when he said in Matthew 5.17 that he did not come to abolish the law or the prophets. What did he say? He said that he came to fulfill it. And you know what's so interesting about that word fulfill? It means to cause to abound. And what does that mean? In, in other words, it means to overflow. And it also means to make perfect. So what did he say to us? He said he came to make the word of God, the commandments, the law of our Father, he came to make it perfect. And it can only be perfect once we are in Yeshua, once we accept his salvation, once we are in a, or committed to him, once we are in covenant with him. Then only can the law of God become perfect in our lives. And in Luke 16 verse 17 he says that it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for the smallest part of the letter of the law to become invalid. And why do you think would Paul say anything that opposes what Yeshua said? Why would he do that? Why would Paul say, don't worry about the Old Testament. It's no more relevant in our lives. Because we are no longer under the law. We are under the grace of God. Let me read something to you. I didn't, I didn't put it on there. I just thought about it um, a little bit earlier. Let me read something to you. Again, I, I refer back to Romans 7. Romans 7, 22. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says. Not anybody else. Paul writes this. He says this. He says, for I delight in the law of God. What? I delight in the law of God after the inward man, with my mind, with my soul, with my spirit. And then he says this. He says, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And when Paul says, we are no longer under the law, but under grace. He's saying, I am no longer under the law of sin. I am under the law of God, which is grace. Nowhere did Paul say that the Old Testament is not relevant because he will never, ever go against anything that Yeshua taught you and I. And what Yeshua did for you and I is to take the punishment of sin. What is the punishment of sin? It is death. He came to take the punishment of sin away and he took it upon himself so that you and I can have everlasting life. So that you and I can live. So that you and I don't have to pay for our sins anymore. If he did not do that, we would have had to suffer for our sins and deal with the punishment thereof. And you know, sometimes when I look at this, it's actually still true in our lives. We do suffer in a way. Because sin affects our lives and it affects our health and it affects, affect, affects our authority that we have here on earth. If we live in sin, we cannot live in godly authority. And our Father does not want us to do that. That is why Yeshua said it and Paul said it and John said it and Peter said it and James said it. Get rid of your sin. There is a message of super grace out there. And what they are saying is you don't even have to worry about sinning anymore because you can't sin if you are in Christ. Yes, you can. And that's why the word says, if you confess your sins. God is true and just 
to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I don't know why people teach that. It's a problem. Only by learning to believe and speak the word of God will it help you. God gave us his word so that we can put it in our minds. So we can meditate on it. He gave us uh, his word so that we could put it in our hearts to believe it. And he gave us his word so that we can, uh, we can choose to put it in our mouths to speak it. Listen to what our Father says in Jeremiah 1 verse 12. He says, then said Yahweh to me, you have well seen, for I will hasten, and that word hasten means um, shakad, it is the word that means watch over. I will watch over my word to perform it or to accomplish it. And therefore, we, when we speak the word of God, we speak a direct and positive command of the almighty God. We are speaking his word over our lives. And how many times a day do you speak the word of God? Do yourself a favor. Take one day and listen to the words that come out of your mouth. And every time you speak the word of God, make a little mark. And at the end of the day, see how many marks you've got on the piece of paper. Are you quoting scripture over your problems? Or are you quoting scripture over your life? Not just your problems, but your entire life? Or are you complaining and grumbling and losing faith? See, our Father says that we have to remind him of his word. He says in Isaiah 43, verse 25 to 26, he said, I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Why does he say this? In the Old Testament. He says, I will blot out your transgressions for what? For my sake. Wow. He will do it on behalf of us. He says, and will not remember your sins. 26, put me in remembrance. That word is zakar. It says, remind me. Let us plead Together, and that word together is the word yachat. It means let us plead in union. Let us plead in the unity that you and I should have. Declare you that you may be justified. Declare it. Say it. Speak it so that you can be justified. Speak the word of God. And is this not what Yeshua did when he quoted scripture? When he quoted scripture to Satan, to the devil, when he was in the wilderness? Exactly the same thing. He spoke with the authority of Abba Father. But how can we remind our Father of His Word or of His promises if we don't even know what they are? It is just like our Father told Yeshua. And what did He did with, Yeshua, with uh, not with Yeshua, with Joshua? What did He did with Joshua? He revealed His basic spirit, uh, spiritual principle and law. And therefore, we also have to speak His Word day and night and meditate on it day and night. Think about it. Try and work it out. Um, you know, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. Because it is through speaking the sword of the Spirit or the Word of God that we will experience great blessings and victory in this life that we have here on earth. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points, listen carefully, in all points, tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And why is it that he was tempted in the same way as us, yet he did not sin? How is that possible? And sometimes when we are tempted, how many times do we actually sin? How many times do we give in to the temptation? And I believe it is because the book of the law did not depart from his mouth. 
in his toughest temptations, he spoke the word of God. And it is the truth of the word that set him free from the bondage of the enemy. And what are you speaking? Are you free from bondage? Are you from, free from the bondage that the enemy places upon us? Because true freedom can only come by the truth of the word of God. It is your weapon. The word of God is your weapon. John 8, 31 to 32 says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed in him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth of what? The truth of his word. Yeshua is the word of God. Revelation 19.13, and his name was, or his name is, the Word of God. And this is actually a very interesting verse, because Yeshua was quoting a fundamental Hebraic faith declaration that the, that the Hebrews used. And what he was saying is this, don't know if I've got it there for you guys, um, doesn't look like it, sorry, I thought I, I wrote it down for you. It says that no man was free but he who exercised himself in the meditation of the law. Listen carefully. No man is free, but he who exercised himself in the meditation of the law. And that is exactly what Yeshua said to us. That is exactly what our Father says to us. And this implies that no man is truly free, but only he in whose heart the power of sin is destroyed and who has received the spirit of adoption through which he cries, Abba, Father, according to Romans 8 verse 15. Same thing that Paul says to us. So what should come out of our mouths? Let us return to our opening verse. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Yahweh, my rock and my redeemer. And this word meditation is actually an interesting word. It is a Greek word, higeion. And that word, higeion, if you read the definition of that, it, it says it is resounding music. Resounding music, the meditation of my heart should be resounding music. And what do we use music for? In worship. So what is he saying? Let the worship of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And this means that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart should be like a sacrifice without spot and blemish, offered up with a perfect heart to Abba Father. And David is saying, he says, Lord, let my mouth speak nothing but what is true, kind, and profitable. And my heart meditate on nothing but what is holy, pure, and innocent. That is what David is saying here. And this is reverberated by Paul when he states in Philippians 4 verse 8, he says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, uh, of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And what starts in your thoughts will come out of your mouth, and it will become your actions. And that is why Paul says that this is what we need to think about. You see, the sword of your mouth is either going to be blessing or curses. And it's a blessing and a curse to you and to those you direct those words at. The problem is that your negative words will cause 
curses to come upon you and your descendants because that is what the word teaches us. It will create unprecedented hurt and damage to the people they are directed at. So be careful what you say to people. Be careful what you say to one another. And what we say is so completely important that it cannot be emphasized enough for us to think before we speak. Think before we speak. And how do we do that? By bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. How many of us say, have a thought and say, whoa, stop. What is this thought about? Is this according to the word of God? No. Get rid of it. No, well, the first thing that comes in our, in, into our thoughts comes out of our mouths. If we do not have a Bible verse that backs up what we are about to say, we probably shouldn't be saying it. And therefore, I want to say to you this morning, let the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart be acceptable to our Father, your rock, and your salvation. Amen. Our Father, this morning we ask you to give us the strength, Lord, because it is only through you and through your strength and through your word that we can look and, and really identify what is actually coming out of our mouths. Lord, may each one of us speak these words of David into our lives, that may the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable, a good offer that we give unto you, O Abba Father, because you are our rock and our salvation. Guide us through your Holy Spirit. Guide us through your perfect word. So that we can also, as Paul said, only think upon those things which are pure and good and honorable. Lord, guide us. We so need your guidance, especially in the times that we are living in, living in today. With the things that are happening in the world, with the things that we are seeing happening around us, please guide us in your word and through your Holy Spirit. And we pray that in the mighty name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.